Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Bellisai. I'm here in my closet, recording far, far away from my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry. Hey, Matt. How's your quarantine going this week? Oh, you know, I've reached that stage where I'm like, fuck, I'm going to have to cut my own hair. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm so scared. <laughs> I I feel like I've made it long enough where it is acceptable now to take action. People who were cutting their hair on like week two were jumping the gun a little bit mm-hmm. but now i'm like what other choice do i have waiting yeah. waiting another like three months before i can get my hair cut i mean thank god you started getting into hats earlier this year <laughs> i know i think the point i either have to buzz my head and just like wear a hat until it grows out or get into drag or wear a wig yeah yeah what has your quarantine been like this week Oh, you know, last night I had a nightmare where I was holding a beautiful little tiny kitten, like the most beautiful kitten in the world. And then I put it on the ground in my apartment and then two cats came out of nowhere and ate it. So (laughs) don't really know what that means or what that's about, but I feel like it's not great. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Yeah. I don't even know where to start to unpack that. I don't think we need to. Well, on that note, now that we're in a weird-ass mood because of whatever the hell that was... You're welcome. Why don't we get into today's episode? Obviously, we'll kick things off with Worst Things First, where I chat about the most ridiculous worst news of the week. After that, we're diving deep into mornings. Because every day she's like, oh, oh, get out of bed, you lazy piece of shit. And every day I'm like, no one wants to see you here. Time doesn't mean anything anymore. And yet... She continues to interrupt my beautiful sleep every goddamn day, and I'm sick of it. She is is mornings in this case. And finally, we've got Monica Padman on the show. Monica is a producer, an actress, and oh yeah, she co-hosts Armchair Expert with Dak Shepard. No big deal, only one of the biggest podcasts. We talk with her from our respective quarantines about our respective quarantines and so much more. So let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's hit that snooze button and start the show. Alright, horse things first. Let's talk about the worst news of the week. First, scientists announced that human urine could one day become a useful ingredient. Honestly, I could end right there. 
Whenever you're saying human urine becomes a useful ingredient in anything, we've gone too far. But scientists said that human urine could one day become a useful ingredient in making concrete to build shit on the moon. What? Listen, if pee is what it takes to get off this godforsaken planet, then I'm on board. I'll piss wherever you want. And also, like, I have so much I can donate. I... I just love the fact. Okay. I've just glossed over what you just said. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just imagining the jars that you're saving up. I mean, is this a paid gig or is it like a volunteer situation? Because I think I'm in either way. But if it's paid, like I could become very wealthy. The most upsetting part of this article was that it said that humans typically pee one and a half liters a day oh i think something's wrong with me because it's like (laughs) way more than that i feel the same way Uh, i have been drinking a lot (laughs) more water lately so maybe that's why but i feel like i pee one and a half liters every time i pee yeah Okay, so like we should start a business. Like we are going to Mars. Yeah, this is the future construction company. It's just uh, us pissing into jars for <laughs> for science. But anyway, according to the European Space Agency, European, get it? Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, according to the European Space Agency, a recent study found that urea the main organic compound in urine would make the mixture for a lunar concrete more malleable before it hardens into its sturdy final form. So basically, you got your moon dirt and they found that Mm -hmm. pee, the stuff in pee called urea, not very clever naming there. Oh, what do we call the stuff in urine? How about urea? They found that that mixed with moon dirt actually makes a pretty solid material. I feel like this is very similar to like how popcorn got invented where it was just like, oh, like some kernels fell into a pot of oil and this was like one of these scientists really had to pee and like really couldn't, like someone was in the bathroom and they didn't know what to do and so they just like went for it and then they were like, oh my god. That's the fucked up thing about most scientific advancements is they're just like fucking accidents. Someone was just like, oh, oh, whoops. I left this pile of flour and water on the windowsill. Now there's bread. I like how so far our two science experiments are popcorn (laughs) and bread. Yeah, that's how it works. (laughs) Sorry, all scientists. Anyway, I just love the idea that there are a bunch of scientists in a building somewhere in Europe just pissing everywhere (laughs) and trying (laughs) trying to make concrete out of it. Also, I just want to point out that like, Any two-year-old in a sandbox can tell you that that's how you make concrete. (laughs) Yeah. I don't need some fancy science to tell me what I knew uh, 20 years ago. (laughs) But the point is, you're able to use uh, more, let's call it, organic materials so that (laughs) you wouldn't have to uh, ship a bunch of extra materials to the moon when we eventually build a colony on the moon. Anyway, next, Fred the Goat strikes again, big time, because about 200 goats escaped their enclosure last week and ran wild in a neighborhood in East San Jose, California. Uh, Yeah, the video posted to Twitter showed 200 goats just descending on this, like, (laughs) suburb It's like Desperate Housewives if they were all goats and also there were 200 of them. Fred the goat. Fred the goat. She wrote. Fred is a she because Fred obviously is the Harriet Tubman of goats. So anyway, according to the guy that shot the video that went viral on Twitter. So there's this like house um, that caught fire a long time, like 15 years ago. And so every year they have uh, these goats come visit to kind of clear out a bunch of the dead grass. This is like a. Th- I want that job, <laughs> like as I would an animal. Love to be a goat whose job it is to clear out dead yeah. grass once every year. Just like ask me to like come over and like eat all of your food so that it doesn't go bad. Like yeah. yes. But the problem was one of the goats was trying to eat flowers over the electric fence that kept them contained uh, to a specific area. Somehow this goat managed to break it. Somehow we know how. 
spread the fucking goat and um, broke it. <laughs> and then the goats realized they had a clear route out and chaos ensued. And they all started descending on this neighborhood, just shitting everywhere and eating everything. According to onlookers, the rancher in charge of them was able to wrangle all of them in about five minutes. Honestly impressed. Five minutes to wrangle 200 goats. Give me a half hour. I couldn't wrangle one goat, just personally. (laughs) But yeah, they did defile a few lawns, but no humans were injured in the great goat stampede of 2020 honestly maybe the best thing to happen this year (laughs) the only good thing to happen in 2020 the great (laughs) goat stampede next in other animal news wildlife officials in georgia are attempting to fend off an invasion of giant lizards that apparently eat everything in their path so that's fun add this to the list they have started i think these these lizards are apparently mostly found in florida but this has been the first time in a while where they've been found in georgia so thanks a lot fucking florida this is why we need to chop that whole stay off and send it into the ocean (laughs) so let's add this so we have murder hornets Apparently, there's a bunch of moths that are, like, attacking Utah or Nevada. And now we have uh, giant lizards that are eating their way through Georgia. (laughs) According to the Georgia Department of Natural Resources and Wildlife, they eat just about anything they want. It's called the Argentine black and white teju. It's a lizard that grows up to four and a half feet long. Jesus. That is four and a half feet. What is that? Like, I don't know, a nine-year-old? (laughs) this is the worst part of this article they say they are not known for being aggressive towards humans although sometimes they may chase people those two things cannot both be true what do you think aggression is i've never been chased by anything and thought well this isn't (laughs) aggressive towards me no if you're chasing me you're aggressive no i was constantly in fear that's why I didn't like the game of tag. Especially if the thing chasing me is a giant ass lizard. They haven't been known to eat household <laughs> pets, but they said that um, pet food can attract them. Yeah, they can grow large, they reproduce super fast, and they eat a wide variety of things. <laughs> same. <laughs> All same. Yeah, I feel really represented. To be a, a giant lizard just chasing a human <laughs> down the street in Georgia. Goals. That's all I want. And finally, a man is facing trespassing charges after security found him camping out on an island inside Walt Disney World. (laughs) Absolutely brilliant. Like every kid's dream. I just don't like how did they find him? (laughs) I don't know. Are they maybe they're still like patrolling Disney World to make sure this makes sense. But yeah, deputies say they were called to Disney World in Orange County, Florida, obviously. Only in Florida! (laughs) After the man was spotted on the Disney-owned property, which is currently closed to the public, along with all other Disney properties, Orange County deputies then uh, started this huge search for this man on foot, by helicopter, and by boat. Where the fuck? What is Disney World? I fucking love it. It is a country. <laughs> it is a planet. I've never actually been to the one in, in Florida. I know. We had plans. We had plans to go. That's true. Yeah. So they searched for him. So deputies said that they had been using a loudspeaker to try to find the guy, but he says he didn't hear them because he was sleeping inside one of the buildings on the island, which he referred to as a tropical paradise. Yeah. That honestly sounds amazing. I know. This man had the right idea. I feel like Disney should like let this man stay there. Uh, he told uh, he told deputies, according to the arrest report, that he was not aware that the property was off limits and that he had been camping there the whole week. Okay. I don't really know if he understands what property <laughs> means, <laughs> like private or public. I just like, how did this happen? There are so many like layers that you have to go through to get up and... They were searching for him by boat? Like, did he swim to this island? (laughs) I'm just fascinated. This is our modern castaway. We need to have him on the pod. I would absolutely love to interview this man and find out what was happening in his brain. (laughs) Probably a lot. (laughs) 
Yeah, Discovery Island, which was a zoological attraction before Animal Kingdom opened, uh, has been closed since 1999. What? It makes it sound like this is like a condemned part of Disney World. Oh, it says, according to this article that I just Googled, (laughs) Disney World mysteriously closed Discovery Island 20 years ago and left it in ruins. And nobody knows why. It's been closed since 1999. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I don't want to talk about this anymore. I feel like <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get taken out for, for <laughs> asking too many questions. This is where Walt Disney's cryogenically frozen head is kept or some shit. I don't like this at all. Anyway, this man is a, a hero. He is uh, in witness protection now. Godspeed, Patriot. And on that note, that is it for this week's Worst Things First. Next, we're absolutely pulling the covers over our heads and diving deep into mornings. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. dive. All right. Well, I recently discovered that I am a morning person with absolutely none of the energy or ambition to actually commit to being a morning person, if that makes sense. Basically, mornings are the only time I am capable of getting anything done, but I refuse to actually wake up early and get anything done. So do you see my problem? Do you see it? Yeah, it's a real conundrum. Because mornings are the absolute worst, especially these days. Because now I wake up and it's just like, um, okay, time isn't real. Uh, why am I even awake right now? Just because my body is biologically predisposed to wake up with the sun? Bullshit. There's no logical reason that I should be awake in the morning. Name one. I can't. You can't. You can't. Fuck morning. Are you a morning person? No, I also don't like the polarization of morning or night person when I am neither. Like I get too cranky at night and I'm cranky in the morning. So I feel like I'm an (laughs) afternoon person, but no one wants to talk about afternoon people. Yeah, I don't like afternoons. Afternoons are like the worst because that's when I'm most groggy. Yeah, I feel like 11.30 to 1 is is my preferred time of day. 11.30, just... (laughs) That one and a half hour window is the only good time of day. I could do without the rest. Honestly, yeah, I relate to that. I feel like my most productive hour is between like 10 a.m. and noon, maybe. Mm -hmm. Because it's when I'm like satisfied from having eaten breakfast, but not yet hungry for lunch. Exactly. The second I am hungry for lunch, all bets are off. So anyway, mornings are the fucking worst. So let's get into it. This is why mornings are the worst. First, nothing good has ever happened in the morning. Nothing. No historical event that happened in the morning was ever like, oh, aren't we glad that happened? Absolutely not. 9-11? Oh my God. (laughs) I was trying to think of other historical events. I just feel like all, all wars were started in the morning. Or nobody's launching a war at night, ironically. Yeah, I'd say, like, the only good thing that happened in the morning was when Gandalf came. Like, when he, like, came right when dawn broke. And that was it. Yeah, that is true. When Gandalf saved Helm's Deep. Next! My eye crusties are uh, particularly aggressive in the morning. Oh, yeah. Absolutely illegal for me to wake up in the morning and blink and be stabbed. By my own eye boogers. Like, they could draw blood. They can and they have. Oh my god. Also, just having to, like, immediately shit. The second I take a sip of coffee and my body is like, oh, I guess we'll just void ourselves right now. Horrifying. Horrifying that that's what it does. Also, like, how do I immediately have to pee when I haven't had anything to drink in, like, eight or nine hours? Yeah, That's really the only reason I get out of bed is to pee. (laughs) And part of the problem is that sometimes I refuse to do even that. And that's why my bladder has like stopped functioning properly. I remember my uh, there was a teacher in high school, um, Miss Corbett. She had a very Southern like Arkansas accent and she taught both psychology and government because obviously... And she used, she like famously announced through a class once, um, 
do y'all ever just get so tired in the morning that you uh, don't want to get out of bed? So you just pee your pants just a little bit. <laughs> and everyone was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> you crazy, crazy woman. I love her. Shiro, Shiro. <laughs> Honestly, yes. She also exclusively referred to Bill Clinton as William Jefferson Clinton. What? Power play. William Jefferson Clinton. Next! Morning people love to remind you that they're morning people. Truly the most insufferable group of people. I don't give like a Like right shit. up there with vegans. Yeah. If you are capable of doing stuff in the morning, you keep that to your goddamn self. You're already better than the rest of us. You already have so many more hours in the day than the rest of us. You don't have to rub it in. Okay? But do they even? Because they're probably going to bed earlier. I don't know. I just assume that you're more productive in those hours. Like, if you're capable of getting up early, you're probably way more productive in those hours where you don't have to deal with anybody else's shit. True, but it's still the same amount of hours in a day. It's just that you decided to shift your day earlier than I do. Fair. I just do a great job of convincing myself, like, okay, I'm going to sleep in and then I'll, I'll be more productive tonight instead of in this morning. And then when the night comes, I'm like, you know what? I should go to bed early. <laughs> so it's that a I beautiful can, cycle. I can wake up early and then be productive. And then I just, I sleep in. So, so no, to address what you've said, um, they do have more hours because okay. I, <laughs> I sleep 12 hours. Next. Also, my eyes are, are barely even open all of the way until at least 1 p.m. I'm like a newborn foal. My legs don't work. My eyes are, are like milky <laughs> and glazed over. I can't even see clearly until at least early afternoon, until I've had at least like three meals. Alex is really annoying because he is a morning person. And so he wakes up and he's like on his phone doing stuff while I'm still asleep after the alarm goes off. And then he tries to like talk to me and like make jokes. And I'm like, do you see my eyeballs? No, because the lids, they're shut. <laughs> and so should your mouth. I used to get really mad at my friend in college who was definitely one of those people who was like fully not awake, even though she was fully like erect <laughs> okay um like we'd managed to like she'd get up we'd walk to the dining hall she like several minutes had passed like hours at least an hour between like getting up getting ready getting to the dining hall and she still her eyes weren't like fully open and she wasn't responding it was like fascinating and I identify now the older I get, the more I'm like, she really had it figured out. Just don't <laughs> wake up. <laughs> Just learn how to not wake up, but also get ready. Next, the morning air is far too crisp, which is a nonsense word to describe air. But it is. It's sharp. It hurts my face. Ugh. I, I got to say I, it is my favorite kind <laughs> of air and my favorite word to describe air. <laughs> I love to walk out and feel like I could just like take a bite, you know? Okay. Confession. I do like morning air. <laughs> I'm sorry. I lied. Everything is a lie. <laughs> what else do you like that's on this podcast? I actually get up every morning at 5 a.m. and I love it. Okay, Georgia O'Keefe. <laughs> Next. Breakfast. Breakfast food is objectively the best food. Okay. I won't hear anything negative about breakfast food, but there's no greater disconnect between wanting a food and having the energy to get that food. I'm more exhausted in the morning than ever. And I, I want nothing more than some delicious bacon and sausage and an omelet and French toast and a cinnamon bun and cereal and a glass of orange juice and a glass of milk and a glass of coffee and a mimosa. Bottomless. But it's like, what am I? Oh, I'm supposed to wake up and make all of that? Absolutely not. See, the key is to wake up, have a quick like granola bar or smoothie or something like that, and then cook. Because like not only are you not well caffeinated yet, you're also hangry. And it's never good to cook when you're uh, hangry. A breakfast appetizer. Groundbreaking. Yeah. I never thought of that. 
Really? That's definitely my go-to. <laughs> I, yeah, even talking about that, it, it gave me the like visceral flashback of going to like a diner in the morning, like just a good su- oh. suburban like waffle place, flapjack mm. place. Uh, going to breakfast at a restaurant. What a luxury. Oh, like Walker Brothers. What I would fucking give for a Walker Brothers apple pancake right now. Oh, And finally, there are just too many noises in the morning that should not be there. Morning should be silent, but they're not. There's the fucking garbage trucks, buses, and worst of all, fucking birds. Morning is bird time. Birds go apeshit in the morning, and I hate it. Every bird needs to calm the hell down before, like, noon. I would love birds if they kept their goddamn beak shut until noon. But no, first thing in the morning, they have to wake up and start screaming. And I won't hear it. I won't listen to it. And I won't respond to it. There's also a cat in the like, not my backyard, because I don't have one, but like the back area behind my apartment. And some mornings it just fucking screams. And there's something so horrible about that's probably why I had my nightmare. Now that I think about it, it was probably making those crazy sounds. And my brain turned that into like a cat eating a baby kid. Yeah, the first apartment that I lived in in New York, my bedroom window overlooked like an alley. And I used to wake up in the morning and hear two cats just absolutely destroying each other. (laughs) And I never knew a cat could fucking scream. (laughs) That was a truly horrifying discovery. And it happened in the morning. And that's why I hate it. Anyway, that's it for this week's Deep Dive. Next up, we got Monica Padman as our guest complainer right after this break. My guest complainer today is actress, podcaster, and producer Monica Padman, whose voice you might recognize from Armchair Expert, which she co-hosts with Dak Shepard. Welcome to the pod, Monica. Hi, thanks for having me. We're we're zooming. We um, are across coasts right now. Oh, it's so kind of exciting to be cross coasts. <laughs> it does make me crossing coast. feel more connected with the, the, the rest mm-hmm. of the world, that it's not just me in my tiny box, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Well, before we get into everything, we like to start by asking everybody, what is one thing you hate that everybody else loves? <laughs> It was so funny. I I was really had to rack my brain for this. Mm -hmm. It didn't come super easy because, uh, yeah, but I I think I've come up with one. So a thing I hate that most people love, I would guess, is the show The Wonder Years. (laughs) So everyone has like such a nostalgic place for The Wonder Years in their heart. I mean, maybe not young people now. I don't know. But it it. It's like this old show with Fred Savage and it was really sweet and kind of a coming of age, one of like the first of that sort of brand. And it was a big deal. And I watched it when I was younger and it gave me the like creep. It just (laughs) gave me this feeling that I couldn't really describe very well. And since I, I, one of my best friends, Anthony, we were roommates for a long time and he is very privy to my idea of the feeling. Mm-hmm. Like I'll walk around and we'll watch something or read something and he'll be like, that's going to give you the feeling. <laughs> and he's always right. Like he knows exactly what it is. And it's this kind of like mix of something that's like too earnest uh-huh. or is too sincere maybe. I don't know. I, I really have a hard time pinpointing it, but it's a very specific feeling. And the Wonder Years was the the pinnacle of that, right. the activation of that. <laughs> that was the beginning. I don't like it. <laughs> the beginning of the feeling, the wonder yes, years. Yes, the feeling. I do remember, because I think I think we're the same age. 32? Okay, we're not the same age. <laughs> <laughs> but um, not far off. Um, I'll okay. be 30 this year. Oh, you're I'm, young I'm a, a young babe, I suppose. Uh, but I do remember the Wonder Years theme song and how much I hated hearing the theme song. Okay. Yeah, it, it was like that theme song was triggering to me because wow. I was so. I don't, there was something about the Wonder Years that just like 
it wasn't didn't give me the feeling, but it gave me like mm. I don't know. It was like crusted over dirt. It was just like boring and stale. Okay, sounds like it did give you <laughs> <laughs> the feeling or a feeling at the. Do you mean visually? Because visually, yeah. it did have like this bizarre um, kind of like what's that filter on cameras that like old sepia? Yeah, yeah. It had like a sepia filter on. Right. It it, it just like yeah. made me feel yeah weird. It was like <laughs> so I totally get it. And that theme song okay. that's I don't even remember the the actual theme song at this point. I blocked it, but I do remember the feeling that the Ditto. theme song gave me. So I do relate <laughs> wow. to that. Okay, I like that. I feel um guilt. You know, I I feel guilty because that was a good show for people. People loved it. Sure, we had Fred Savage on our show, and I was kind of like resisting telling him about the feeling the whole time. <laughs> it's like I can't do that. That's not nice. That's like not a nice thing to say. So I didn't. But um, it's not his fault. But. It's it was rough. Yeah. I do wonder if there are moments like that when you have strong opinions about like a piece of pop culture and then you have a person on the pod and you're like, yeah. do I do I share this? What is the line there? Yeah. Yes, of <laughs> course, because I have an opinion on everything. There's like very few things that come into my orbit that I don't form an opinion right. on. Right. But it's normally the other way. It's normally something that I'm like obsessed with or love deeply. And you have to dial it down. I have to dial it down. I can't be like fangirl and I have to decide whether I'm even going to share it. Because we had um, Goodwill Hunting is my favorite movie of all time. It's like, you know, it changed my life, the whole thing. And we had Casey Affleck on and... Obviously, I wanted to like just that whole interview to be about that, right? which it was not. But I also had to like, you know, kind of dial it back. Also, like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are my long time, quote, boyfriends. <laughs> They're like, you know, my childhood crushes that are still my crushes. And like, that's his brother. And I was like, how much do I say? Um, yeah. So so I resist. I'm pretty good at resisting the urge. Yeah. I feel like I've I've talked about this myself before, but. Yeah, there is that weird thing of like, there's almost that thought in the back of your head that's like, I have to, I can't be too weird in front of them because like, we're, what if we become friends? Like we could, (laughs) we're on the same, we're all in the same room right now. So clearly we're the same. I feel we're the same Julia Louis Dreyfus. (laughs) Yeah. Also, the caliber of guest that um, you guys are dealing with is it's much higher. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm always like because there are, I think there are like a handful of people that I'm like it does not matter how insane I sound in front of this person, I will never see this person again. I have my like list yeah. of people that I would absolutely lose my shit over. Beyonce, obviously. Who are they? Okay, I was gonna. Okay, Beyonce. Because it's like you're not even. We're not even like in the same like planet. You know, is she? She is so far above the human that I will ever be in in my best life. Yeah. So yeah, she is. She is one. It's pretty much just her. (laughs) (laughs) A list of one. Yeah. Yes. You know what's so funny though? Like I think something happens in my brain that's the opposite. Mm -hmm. It's like if they're so far out of my orbit, I almost feel like, oh, maybe there's something bizarre. Like, I, I, like maybe we could be friends. Like, and you probably need a normal girl <laughs> in your life. I don't know what's happening, but I doubt you have a normal girl around you. And I could provide that. So um, I also have this like indignation some, sometimes with certain people when they're at that level of fame. Right. Well, where for one, I also feel like that must be uncomfortable for them, truly, to be so famous. Like that that's another level of living that I don't envy, to be honest. Right. And I think they probably like personal connection because I doubt they get it very often because everyone who's encountering them is like, oh my God, <laughs> or like fainting or whatever they're doing. You know, like what a bizarre way to go around the world. Right. With everyone fainting. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they do, but they probably do crave just like a normal interaction. 
Yeah. And that could be the interaction that they're like, you know what? This person is exactly what I've been waiting for. And we're best friends now. And now we're best friends. This is a funny conversation. I'm sorry. I'm probably derailing us a ton. No, go for it. But... The, the, the irony of this conversation is that sort of did happen to me. <laughs> okay. Like I, you know, because I did before I knew Kristen and Dax, I was obsessed with Kristen. Mm-hmm. I like loved Veronica Mars so much. And I, I was just obsessed with that show and that character. And I thought she was a, a, such a natural and good actor, which she is. Um, and I would watch her on, you know, whatever, late night shows and stuff and I was like oh my god I just I just feel like we could be best friends I just feel it and I know everyone in the whole world thinks that but then it did happen to me right so I do have this kind of probably um irrational sense that I could be best friends with everyone (laughs) because I did become best friends with someone I idolized. I mean, I love that you are, you are the like (laughs) idol of everybody who has ever thought that. (laughs) (laughs) I know I feel it's actually like I shouldn't lead people down that path because it doesn't happen. And to be fair, when I did become friends with her and when I did meet her, it was way after that phase in my life of obsession with her was done. I I was no longer feeling those feelings when I was able to actually, you know, make uh, contact. Okay, so, so yeah, I think the bu- that has something the to do with book it, with all of her pictures like cut out. Yeah, from I magazines. had burned that. Yeah, been that's buried, burned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do think. I mean, obviously, uh, there is a sense of like, yeah, if you if you see people. Also, as just like humans who are going yes. through the same shit that everybody is going through. I mean, that is the what not to get too deep uh, 10 minutes in. Love getting deep. But yeah, <laughs> I feel like if, if anything, the past uh, couple of months has been like, oh, we're all we're all very vulnerable. Yes. Well, although there are some there are some very famous people where I'm like, you you can't claim to be living in quarantine right now. Your mansion is bigger than <laughs> <laughs> my high school. <laughs> And yeah, I mean, I also think that the podcast, Armchair Expert, I I feel like you're spending, you know, it's not like a late night show where you're just getting a five minute clip of someone that's all like pre-planned and, you know, the laughs have been like, you know, scheduled. Yes. You're you're getting like an hour more of someone like in genuine conversation and talking about like what it is to be a human. And so, yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, you're able to relate to someone at more as a person and not just this icon or figure. That's definitely true. I think you're right. Our podcast lends itself to uh, a more vulnerability, Mm -hmm. which is very relatable and everyone can sort of, um, yeah, jump in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I do want to talk about is Monica and Jess love boys. Is that the correct order? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So this was, it was a 10 part series sort of within the armchair expert feed yes umbrella yeah right right like how did it come about so from probably the beginning of our show like really really early on this like phrase came to be monica loves boys Mm -hmm. fairly early on i think we said we were gonna do we may have even like said it on the podcast a a Monica Loves Boys podcast or a little something in that realm. And then when I was really thinking about it, when it seemed like a good time to get going on that, I was like, I think it'd be just more fun if I had a counterpart who also has, well, everyone has issues, but who uh, who (laughs) has also maybe glaring issues in dating and relationships and we can, you know, bounce off each other on that. And so um, my friend Jess, who's also friends with Dax, he is my polar opposite in every way. And he like over dates like crazy, like 10, you know, 10 grinder dates a week. You know, it's it's pretty intense. Right. And he's just physically my opposite. Like he's six foot five. He has red hair. He's gay. He's like he his personality is like times a hundred. And so we just thought that would be like a little fun juxtaposition, like these two opposites coming together. And then, of course, like I said earlier, it all just boils down to five minutes into the 
series were like, oh, okay, so you felt like you were on the outside because you were gay. I felt like I was on the outside because I was a person of color. Like, it was like, oh, we're just, uh, we're all the same. Right. Just the same. Um, And it's just manifesting itself in these crazy opposite ways. And the, the concept was that you two would be talking about dating, but also kind of giving one another these dating challenges. Yes. Yes. It was like earlier this year, right? Or I mean, it, it really like the last yeah. episode was just a few weeks ago. So yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know how the like pandemic sort of affected things if, if you were not able to meet any new people anymore. Well, yeah. So each guest we had on would assign us a challenge that we'd have to complete by the next week. And yeah. So about how many episodes did we have of that? I would say four maybe challenges that were assigned in this new uh new normal that we're living in and yeah of course i was like what the hell like how are we gonna do this this show pretty much relies on interpersonal contact right it's kind of the whole point so great but we were able to do it. We were able to do it. The challenges were able to adjust and they did not get easier. In fact, one of the challenges was truly like, I, I it was so far left field uh-huh. of anything I've ever had to do. And it was within quarantine. Okay. So there's, there was still some, there's still some excitement to come regardless of our captivity. I'm so intrigued. Yeah, I mean, I I love it mostly because I I relate so hard. Uh, I feel like you and I are are very similar in our histories, which I've ah. I've been very open about on this podcast about my like real experience with dating only started like maybe a year and a half ago. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's so fascinating because I was so scared obviously yeah, to yeah. start doing this because it's so vulnerable and I also feel and this probably s- sounds like you're the same like my personality doesn't necessarily match with that element of my life right like I f- am a pretty confident person in general but yeah there's just this like bizarre section that I've like turned off and have decided to not be vulnerable and not be all the things. Um, and, but I was like, oh my God, no one is going to be able to connect with this or relate to this because nobody has had this experience. Like I'm so alone in that. Right. And that was one of the most incredible things was like people commenting and reaching out and being like, I'm you, I'm that. And I'm like, well, you are? There's more? There's more? And I think that really, I think for them, that made them feel seen and it really made me feel seen too. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. No, I've had the same uh, same reaction too from people of not expecting to kind of hear the same level of insecurity, I guess, and that and yeah. opening up about that, you do realize, oh, we are all everybody is fucked in the same way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we are truly exactly. all fucked in the same five ways. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to be a person on earth. Right. But I do relate to that disparity between the kind of like outward bubbliness, yeah. which I think the first or second episode you were talking about like first dates and how long they go. And I feel like I oh have this thing where I'm like, I could I could have a five hour conversation with anybody. That is like my yeah. job. Yeah. <laughs> I can, whether it's a good conversation, I don't know. But like, yeah. You can keep it going. So like having these certain like markers that we're sort of trained to take a note from of like, oh, the date went for five hours. It was like, yeah, that's because I didn't know how to say goodbye. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I only agreed to a second location because I can't say no. (laughs) (laughs) You are never supposed to go to a second location. I know. It's like the first thing they teach you in dating and abduction. Right, right. All of the rules of kidnapping apply to first (laughs) dates. That's right. Yeah, and then people take that when you tell people. Yeah, they're like, oh my God, that's awesome. That's great. You were there for two hours. And yeah, it's like, but that that doesn't mean it was great. That just means we covered a lot of ground. Right, right. 
And the thing that, especially with gay dating, is is like a first date is just like, tell me about your childhood traumas. Like it just goes. <laughs> uh, it just goes there. I actually, I love that. There is a very like, uh, you, yeah, it feels like you get very intimate very quickly. And it can create yeah. a sense of connection when actually it's just like, oh, we're just checking to see if like your family hates you or not. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, well, let's move into a segment we call Bowl of Shit Talk, which is it's okay. really not a bowl. <laughs> uh, we just have a list of topics <laughs> that I believe you sent beforehand of things to complain about that I'm very curious about. The first okay. of which is the injustice of Scotty <laughs> Pippen's salary. <laughs> Fascinated. Yeah. Oh my God. I don't know if you're... Are you watching The Last Dance I documentary? I haven't yet, but I've, I've heard of it. You must. Everyone, I implore everyone to watch The Last Dance documentary. I am not a basketball fan. Okay. Which is why it is amazing that that is like first on my list and first in my brain right now. Right. On Injustice. That is, that is a credit to this endorsement. <laughs> Basically, Scottie Pippen signed a seven-year contract for I think seventeen million dollars. Okay. And um, and look, the seven-year contracts in the NBA are pretty rare, like pretty non-existent. So he he was getting safety, which great, but he was like that seventeen million dollars is violently low. Right. He should have been paid. They were saying ten times that amount of money. Jesus. Yes. <laughs> okay. And he is Michael Jordan's number two. You know, he's like proves himself to be very quickly, like one of the very, very, very best players in the NBA. Mm -hmm. Basically like number two player. And he was getting paid like a hundred and thirtieth in the NBA. Like it was so outrageous. And I was like, my body was just tingling when I was watching it in the horrible way where I was like, this injustice, this is not okay. Like why didn't I understand this is business and there's management and there's contracts and this, that, and the other, but there's also humans on the other side of that. Mm -hmm. And a human should have looked at this and said, okay, this is like drastically under like not fair uh -huh. and he's underpaid. We got to go back in and give him what he deserves or at least more than what he's getting. <laughs> I and love this just millionaire rights. <laughs> I know, I know, but it, you know, it, you're right. It's like, it sounds so, but it's just about people getting their worth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I need to watch the documentary so I, I yes. can share your, your outrage properly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I wonder if you will. Like, I wonder if everyone else is as upset by this as me. Probably not. You know, probably what? not. It's justified. It sounds like okay. <laughs> following the rules was uh, uh, the next one, and I can't decide. Are, are you against following the rules <laughs> <laughs> or people who I don't didn't make follow that them? Clear, did I? Um, I am. But that's so what we're here for. You. Pro following the rules. I'm such a rule follower. Uh, okay. And it, it's really coming out hard in this current. Oh, time. yeah, yeah. Yes. This is where, the rule followers like dream oof. situation. Yeah, it's, it's the dream situation. But it's also like it's also crazy making because you see people around you not doing it. Right. And I don't know how to handle that sometimes because I'm also pretty controlling. So this idea, well, which is why I'm a rule follower, because rules give you control. Right. But like, yeah, I'm doing all the things, you know, I'm wearing the mask and I'm doing the gloves and I'm sanitizing everything and I'm like not bringing bags in. I'm, do you know, it's just this whole thing. You should have seen me at the pharmacy trying to pick up my medication. <laughs> it was a <laughs> nightmare. Yeah. It was a nightmare. I looked like a lunatic. But I'm also like listening to what the... CDC and the World Health Organization and see like what they're saying and they're saying these things and I'm like okay I'm following that and I know everyone has sort of a different opinion on how strict we should be how soon we should open up um and it's a struggle for me when I see like 
people walk into the building or people in, in the building like not wearing masks when they're in the courtyard. And I'm like, I have to walk by you to get my mail. Right. So you're now endangering me and I don't even get to choose because I have to do that thing. And because you're not following the rules, I am, you know, quote at risk. I don't, I don't walk around feeling like I'm at risk all the time, but I just, I'm just like the selfishness of it really bothers me. Right. Yeah. I've gone to the grocery store and I'll see like an old man, no mask touching his face. And I'm like, this is, this is for you. So for you, you make exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> oh my God. Exactly. Um, well, oh. on that amazing note, <laughs> um, where, I mean, I think we've, we've talked about it a whole bunch, but where can people find you and your work? Yeah. So on wherever you find your podcast, my armchair expert is on there. Monica and Jess Love Boys is on there. Uh, I'm on Instagram at ML Padman and... That's pretty much it for now, I think. You know, I produce Momsplaining, which is a show we do for mm-hmm. Ellen and Ellen's YouTube channel with Kristen. I produce that, and that's currently out, and it's really fun. Emmy nominated, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I have a hard time claiming that, but it is true. <laughs> um, well, amazing. Thank you so much for waking up early and... Um, and joining oh us. Oh my gosh, thanks yeah. for joining me. This was fun. All right, we're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that helps all the bad shit go down easier. Starting with the TV we've been watching this week. Barry, what you been watching? So I just started it. And by started it, I mean like I started watching it before we were recording and only got like 15 minutes in. So I can't like fully (laughs) vouch for it. But I'm very excited about The Great. Have you heard about it? Is that Dakota Fanning? It's Elle Fanning. Okay, sure, sure, (laughs) sure. Close enough. It is her sister. It's Elle Fanning and it's Nicholas Holt. And it is Elle Fanning as Catherine the Great. But it's the same writer who did The Favorite. Right. And so it's on Hulu and it's just like the same kind of like vibe of The Favorite in the sense that it's a comedy. It's not really historical, but it's kind of historical and a lot of like very lush Victorian type of outfits and things like that. And it's just I'm really excited about it. I like I said, I've only gotten like 10, 15 minutes in. So I will talk about it again, whether I like fully whether it reaches my expectations next week. But I'm really excited about it. What about you? What are you watching? I also have not finished watching the thing I'm going to say, but it's so amazing so far. And that is Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. It's back. Oh, my gosh. The the like choose your adventure episode. Yeah. So uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt ended after four seasons. Uh, but now they have uh, a special choose your own adventure like standalone movie, I guess you would call it. But yeah, this is the first choose your own adventure thing I've done on Netflix. I don't know how many others there were. I thought it was only the one. Yeah, but... the Black Mirror one, which I never watched. Right. Um, But it's super fun and I'm excited to keep watching it. It's just like such a perfect format for it. Because like the whole point of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is they're just like 30 Rock. There's just a ridiculous amount of jokes. So it's it's right. basically like you choose one thing you're you know you're going to get like this specific joke. But also, I don't know, I don't want to like spoil too much. I don't it shows you kind of in the previews, but there's a lot of amazing like guest stars in it. Yeah, isn't Daniel Radcliffe in it? Yeah, Daniel Radcliffe Hell yeah. plays it's the whole concept of the the plot of the um special is that it's Kimmy's wedding. She's getting married and she's getting married to Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> Uh, which same. <laughs> um, but yeah, like Bowen Yang is in it at some point. What? Yeah. There are, it's it's just like amazing. I love Kimmy Schmidt. I'm so excited. I love Titus. I think I'm gonna dedicate my Sunday to it. It's so great. I I think overall it's no longer than like a couple hours. Um, but then obviously you have to like go back and, and make different choices exactly. to see all of the funny jokes. What is your non-TV chaser? So my non-TV chaser is a bit nerdy but also I think it could be very helpful for other people who are as organizationally inclined as I am so here we go (laughs) Um, (laughs) so 
So I've talked a little bit on the pod about meal planning and how it's been like a thing that I've done in the past, but have taken much more seriously now. And it's quite a laborious task. And as Alex and I have been trying to figure out the best way to do it, like we've been writing out everything we have in our pantry every week and then figuring out what ingredients to use from that into what recipes and how to make things last as long as possible. And as we were doing it, it's like we kept trying to think of like, do we do it in Excel spreadsheet? Do we do it in the notes app? Like there there has to be a better way of figuring this out and being able to share it with each other f- so that we can also like make the grocery list to go to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And then we were like, maybe someone um, who can design apps has actually done this. And we were right. <laughs> so it's called Paprika or paprika however you want to say that seasoning um and who says paprika i don't know someone i feel like i always say paprika wrong i don't know i say paprika paprika anyway uh so it is a meal planning app and it has a browser within it so you can go to like your new york times cooking your bon appetits your whatever things you like to look your smitten kitchens And then you can download the recipes from the website so that it saves in your phone. You can also manually add them. And once they're in there, in the app, you can customize it so that it's like, you know, sometimes people like to switch up the recipes or change them or whatever. You can also change something I have to do is change it to the actual amount of time it takes me to cook because they're always like, this takes a half hour. And I'm like, actually, this takes me two hours because I'm slow at cutting. Um, But then you also like has a grocery list. You can choose things from the recipe to add to your grocery list. You have a pantry button on there where you can just like have all the things in your pantry. And then it has meals. So you can go to your day or week or month and like plan out your meals. And you don't have to do it just from the recipes you have in there. You can do like takeout, you know, things like that. You can add notes on it because sometimes I forget to take chicken stock out of the freezer, stuff like that. It's so helpful and like everything that I've wanted in a meal planning software program. <laughs> um, and it's a true joy to use. So I've been and I'm not like getting paid to say this. Um, it's like back in the day when you'd get a, a, a trapper keeper, you know what I mean? And you're just like, oh, look at this new folder I got. It's like that. But for adulthood, I'm so happy for you. Thank you so much. I did text a couple of their friends who are as ridiculous with their meal planning as I am and they freaked out too so I hope that there are listeners who are in a similar boat you know and then I have one more thing just because I think it's gonna make you mad I made yogurt ew you made it yeah and I don't even have like a pressure cooker why um I made it because I wanted to (laughs) because I'm bored and sad I don't know how how do you make yogurt Okay, so I got this recipe from Indianish because it's not a pressure cooker one. It's one that you just like you you don't even turn the oven on. You turn the oven light on and it's just a matter of cooking milk and then adding a yogurt that uses live cultures. So like I had one that I really liked and then you heat it up and you mix it together and then you just pour that with a little bit of yogurt into a bowl and then you just like let it do its thing for hours and then you've got yogurt okay so you make yogurt by taking already made yogurt and then making more of it yes it it sounds a little bit like homemade popcorn to me oh my god (laughs) (laughs) call me when you rolled your own fucking ravioli okay now that now uh, that i am fine. A, it still made me happy yeah now that i am a michelin star winning italian chef <laughs> i'm gonna need a little thing more to impress me well what is your chaser impress me this week well my chaser you you've probably seen on instagram um is that i've been making macarons for like the past two weeks that that <laughs> is impressive okay not fucking joker okay. <laughs> But and you know what chasers are all about impressing your friends. Chasers should be about what brings you joy. So I'll let you have your your glory. But yeah, macarons. I I filmed a video of me attempting them and I I failed pretty spectacularly. But I've been determined ever since to get them exactly right. There, are, if you didn't see my video, first of all, fuck you. Second of all, obviously I watched it. Oh, I'm just talking in general. Uh, okay, good. But yeah, macarons, French macarons, are the sandwich cookies that I see all over Instagram. 
They're super difficult to get exactly right. There's not that many ingredients. There's literally four ingredients. Almond flour, powdered sugar, granulated sugar, and egg whites. But there's like 10 different stages where you can completely fuck them up. So it's like, if they don't work, you have no idea what what part of the thing you actually did wrong. So I've probably made l- at least 12 batches of macarons at this point. Oh my God. <laughs> it sounds like such an anxiety-producing experiment. Yeah, kind of. All I do when I fall asleep at night is think about all of the things that I did wrong and how I did them wrong, but like, what even were they, you know? But that's kind of why I like, the, like, it doesn't take that many ingredients. They still taste good in the end because it's literally just sugar and right. <laughs> and butter. Or it's, yeah, it's basically just sugar in the oven. So it still tastes good. I sort of like, I'm able to take what I I think I fucked up during each one and improve it in the next one. And each one has gotten better, but I'm still not there. Anyway, yeah. So I've I've enjoyed it. Uh, And then when I eventually master them, uh, I'll open up my my bakery, my Matt Garon bakery. Matt, Matt Garon. Get it? (laughs) Wow. Oh, God. I need to get out. Anyway, that's my chaser, and that's it for this week. So thank you for listening to Unhappy Hour. You can head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Hit that subscribe button, then rate us and review us, but only if it's nice. I don't want to hear your shit. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Melissa Slaughter, and me, Matt Bellisai. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. Our music is by Hansdale Sue. You can bother Barry at Finkelberry Pie. You can worship me at Matt Bellisai. And you can follow Unhappy Hour Pod on Twitter for all the latest podcast buzz. And that's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Uh, Bye-bye. Life is a mystery. Everyone must stand alone.